1: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight
0: loss. Ladies and gentlemen, two men from opposite ends of the physical, cultural, and emotional spectrums. Flats and Shanks.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to episode nine of our weekly podcast. I'm David Flatman. I'm Tom Shanklin. Hi Tom. Alright, lad. Alright? Yeah, good. How are you?
2: Uh, I'm alright mate, I've been better.
1: Yeah, I saw you limping. Let's talk about that for a start. Hmm. Uh, it's just a new walk I'm trying to adapt. Gangster lean. I look a little bit cooler.
2: <laughs> Put my pants above my jeans.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I before we talk about your limp, I, I heard <laughs> I heard once that um, the reason, I heard recently, the reason that people think it's cool to, like rappers and I sort of think it's cool to wear their jeans down below their ass, is because baggy jeans are cool and then when people get sent to prison they get their belts taken off them so their jeans hang down and it became like a prison look that, you know, sort of made it out to the streets. There we are. How about that? So, anyway, why are you limping? Just have a pair of blue
2: bolts? Do you have a pair of blue bolts? Blue bolts, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I only bought them because Biggie Smalls had someone I wanted to be like him. Same size? He was fat and successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The
2: reason I got limp, I played five-side football on Friday and in the process of scoring a hat-trick, ripped it. You ripped your what? calf. Your calf. I was meant to go to the Blues and Scarlet's game, but I couldn't because I couldn't walk. Really? Yeah. It was a bad one, but.
1: Oh. Terror, that's what you Welsh boy yeah. says, isn't it? Terror. Yeah. Um, I got actually got sent a video by uh, Bubs, your mate, <laughs> of you. <laughs> Shank's trying to walk off the five-a-side court. It's hilarious. It's like, I mean, I've, I've been there. You actually can't walk. And other lads will help you. So no. it, take, it takes you five minutes to get across the tennis court. I wouldn't even carry my bag. I'd carry my own little uh, plastic bag. But you, presumably, you don't get any medical care for it because you're not a pro now. So no, what happens? I don't. I've got a compression sock on, which is effectively like a, a tube grip. Yeah, which is, which is a waste of space, really, yeah. when it's a major injury. And I've been icing it with individual ice cubes. <laughs> Grow up. <laughs>
2: there's none left in the fridge. Freezer. Yeah, it's funny,
1: isn't it? Because you, as a pro player, you get used to having elite medical care whenever you want it, all day, every day. Mm. And, you know, I hurt my shoulder the other week, actually, well, a couple of months ago, actually walking the dog, believe it or not, just jarred it on a lead. What's, like, you, what's your dog? Beethoven? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's, like, he's like a bear. No, but I just, just caught a funny angle, and I thought, well... You know, that'll fix itself up. I'll go to the physio. Then I thought, I haven't got a physio anymore. I don't have any medical care. So I went down, I booked an appointment with a shoulder specialist in Bath. Yeah. And I know my shoulders pretty well, having a lot of operations oh, on I them. I know my onions. I know my onions. But I went in and said, Doc, I think this is what's wrong, this, this, this. And he says, yeah, I think you're right. That's £200 plus VAT, please, which I had to pay out of my own money, which doesn't feel right when you've been a pro. And you have to book you in for an MRI and probably surgery. And then, you've, you know, whatever it is, five grand later, I thought, sod that I'll eat some blueberries they're anti-inflammatory aren't they I'll operate myself yeah so I did it with a knife and fork in the kitchen but um, yeah you're, you're in a bad way mate
2: um, yeah I'll be alright though um, but we've seen each other a lot this week haven't we
1: we have actually yeah,
2: yeah we, uh, we met up on Wednesday there was Gethin Jenkins testimonial year yeah. he had a big do in the gherkin yeah. when I say big it was 110 but that's probably the maximum they could fit yeah they crammed and everyone into the, the top rooms they at
1: the bar at the top of the gherkin it was yeah. very very good mm. very new wasn't it I mean um, you, you were working but I was more so enjoying myself. Yeah. Uh, I was I was hosting it. Um and you know, it people think that it isn't a proper job. Yeah, I mean don't listen to me. mate. I thought you did a really good job. <laughs> but you know, trying to get decent funny chat out of Gethin Jenkins is a job in itself and that it? you know that Tom. It's like trying to crowbar it out, and not <laughs> You can't. You can't, there's it's nothing impossible. in there. Luckily we had Joe Marler and Jason Leonard there as well.
2: Mate, it's the first time I met Joe Marler. Top bloke. He loves a podcast as well. Yeah. Um, I was having a real good chat with him after
1: he's not a top bloke actually because he's listening to this he's alright I
2: was having right. a good chat with him after and um, we obviously had to, I had to bring up the Samson Lee incident yeah and you know he got in trouble for calling him Gypsy Boy it wasn't yeah. a Gypsy it was the, the boy bit after and I think he educated everybody on that and that Gypsy is a race and, and what have you um, and not many people know this but he had to donate his win bonus so he got I think 11 or 12 grand win bonus he had to donate it to Samson Lee.
1: Did he? Yeah. Oh, wow. Paid him in travellers checks. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> uh, very good, or should I say, very good. Very, very good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah so there was... I mean, there's a whole interesting conversation that surrounds the whole Joe Marler, Samson Lee thing, but we, it's kind of dead and buried that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I mean, I remember playing at Bath, and Andy Powell was playing for... Wasps, would it be wasps, or sail? Anyway. Wath. Wath. Beep-boop, he was playing for wath, and he got a yellow card or something, and someone in the crowd, one of the bath crowd, shouted, yeah, go on, get off, you Welsh bastard, or something like that. Yeah. Beep. Beep. And there's all this chat on the forums about racist bath fans. Yeah. And it was actually Paul Morgan, the comms director for Prem Rugby, who... He replied. There are loads of tweets flying around, and he replied. Well, firstly, it's completely inappropriate to be shouting that. Secondly, there are Welsh players in your team, you muppet, and you're in Bar, so you're surrounded by Welsh people, you muppet. The other thing is, the Welsh aren't a race; they're a people, and it's different. They're not actually a separate race, so it does can't count as racist. But mm. I think the the traveller thing is perhaps a bit different. But anyway, yeah, yeah thanks for clearing that up. Nuance, um, right, nuance. But, but
2: we were together on Thursday as well at a, a rugby business networking event. And
1: yeah, there's a couple of people
2: we should mention. Craig Yandel big listener of the show
1: oh yeah very big six foot seven um, long time listener
2: first time caller
1: yeah pinhead he's, we played with him at Sarri's years ago um, and he's just, he's just a little bit upset now that he doesn't get recognised anywhere yeah um, but we. Well, it's of... like people are coming up to me and Shanks and saying hey guys uh, love the podcast actually no one said that but Hey, guys, how's it going? They thought that inside. Yeah, we're standing next to this massive unit who played pro rugby for years and didn't get recognised. I mean, he's lost a bit of weight, but he's still about 20 stone and 6'7". Yeah. Um, He lives near me, actually. He's a lovely, lovely man. So we did a bit of a networking event with um, Nick Easter. Yeah. You mean Nick Nick Easter, the alpha male. (laughs) The alpha male. It's like having Mike Reed in there. It's unbelievable.
2: Yeah, I'll play for a proper London club.
1: Yeah, he's a... I you, he's a he, Nick, he used to walk into a field full of gorillas and still be the alpha male. Yeah. He's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Gravelly. Um, yeah, Matt Cairns, former uh, Sarries, Sale, Bath and England hooker. Uh, we and Harlequins. Host. And Harlequins. I said Queens, didn't I? Okay. Anyway, he's kind of... Um, yeah, he, he hosted it. He hosted it and... Um, it was nice, actually, wasn't it? We are at Red Bull, Red Bull headquarters in London, that was nice. We did have a little chat before we went on and say, look, let's not take the piss out of each other. Yeah. First thing you did, rip into me. Of course you did. Banker. Of course you did. Well, you're an easy target, aren't you? Yeah. No, you. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's not, yeah, I'm an easy target. Um, but during the dinner, well, during the uh, Gethen Jenkins testimonial dinner, um, my car was broken into in a North London NCP car park. Um, other car parks are available they're just way safer than ncp car parks are useless um and um i don't think it's coincidence that it happened during that event tom i mean i don't want to be i don't want to get into the whole marla and samson lee thing again no. but a yeah. load of people get on a bus from cardiff to come to london and suddenly i'm in london all the time and suddenly my my car gets broken into
2: it's just coincidence that Welsh slate was
1: found in your boot as well. Yeah, there are, Welsh, there are crumbs of Welsh cakes. Yeah, and wool. And, I wasn't going to say wool. <laughs> you were I was, I was just about to say wool. But it's fine, it's fine, mate. I've got a curtsy car for the weekend, which you laughed at when I pulled up this morning. Downgraded, I thought. Downgraded to a, a brand new Land I've discovered. It's absolutely lovely, and yet Tommy's laughing. Yeah. Yeah, and no, very, very lucky. It doesn't, you know, you, you get back and you think, oh, what twap did this, and you wish you could catch him <laughs> doing it. Sorry. Michelle will go crazy when she hears the language. But, it, but then you do start thinking, what sort of state have you got to be in to be crowbar into the back of someone's car to try and nick a bag with an iPad in it? And uh, you know, it just think. So is that you lost your iPad? Yeah, but it was a knackered old thing anyway. So it's kind of like, I don't reckon you be able to sell it. I did Hopefully we might see some pictures come out online, maybe. Yeah. Of you. Oh, sorry. And there were nine Rolexes and 50 grand in cash and six laptops in there as well. Obviously, a couple of pictures of you- For just My insurance your, company I With your asking. hand in your pants. Taking selfies. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) there's a a lot of private information on there. All of my my sexy pics. And where are we? Can you tell everyone where we are? Yeah, well, we're back at the Celtic
2: Manor. We love it here, it's nice. Um, We've just hijacked a room.
1: Yeah, we're not supposed to be in here, are we? No, we're actually
2: meant to be in the bar area, Merlin's Bar, but there's music going on there, hoovering, so we've come down to the business center. Vacuuming,
1: hoover's a brand,
2: mate. Okay. Okay. Yeah, correct, well done. Thank you. Passed. and we just come to the business centre and found a room and just jumped in there. So if we get kicked out halfway through, that as a reason we've stolen someone's meeting room. Yeah, it
1: is 7am it is here on Monday. I um, can see your uh, name tag there says Theresa May. Theresa May, yeah, yeah. so I know who the room's for. Yeah. Um, but Boris Yeltsin over there. But we, um, it's 7am Monday, uh, we're both busy people and there's lots of stuff to fit in, so we have to get the podcast done when we can.
2: Yeah, we do, and um, on the show today,
1: we will part, uh, My show is it, cast. It's cast, it's a pod, I think it's a pod. Okay. Yeah. I've got a mate that knows a lot about this stuff and he texts me in the week to say mate, it's pod. Okay, on the pod today then, uh, we'll we talking a little bit about
2: the Welsh team to face Australia this weekend. Yeah. Obviously Ireland and uh, Wales player a week earlier. Yeah. We'll have to talk about some of the wingers for England, some of the second row options as well. Yeah
1: we will you know, back row as well gonna be interesting
2: yeah yeah obviously touch on the weekend's action pro 12 and aviva mm. um, it was derby week basically in the pro 12 yeah funny one though yeah um we've got lee burn on the phone as well
1: yeah good so, i'm looking forward to
2: that and loads of questions from the uh flanks fans mm. see what i've done there
1: yeah, you're doing, you, yeah abbreviating it brilliant yeah. brilliant um yeah, so should we tree crack on then? Talk about stuff.
2: Well, Wales playing Australia this weekend. They haven't beaten Australia since 2008.
1: Since 1926. S- since 2000, not because I was playing. Um, yeah, that, those are key. That's a key difference, isn't it? Were you what position were you? Maybe in that because day? I was playing. What position were you in that day? 22. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I played. I played
2: 13. Um, it was the game that. Jamie Roberts went off early doors because Sterling Mortlock did what the world has been trying to do in Fracture Jamie's skull. The world's been trying to
1: do that? Yeah. Is he that unpopular? Wow. He's just, no.
2: He's just he's just good player, great bloke, disgustingly nice.
1: Yeah. Um, that's a hell of a skull, I mean that's like... Huge. Yeah, that's like chinning a cow and winning. You know? yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, it was that game. Uh, Were you up against Sterling Mortlock at 13 that day?
2: Sterling was playing 12, I think. I, I can't remember he was playing 13.
1: So arrogant, you can't remember.
2: <laughs> I honestly can't. Uh, it was. Uh, he used to play rugby league. He had like.
1: Oh, uh, um, someone listening will know straight away. It's the guy that Josh Lucy nailed. No. No. That's Matt Rogers. That's Matt Rogers. Anyway, anyway. Ryan Cross. Yes. Well yeah. done. Ryan Cross played for Australia Schoolboys when I played for England Schoolboys. And we had this killer team. We won the Grand Slam, um, beat Wales in Narbeth. Johnny Wilkinson was at 12. Uh, We had Tyndall, Bolshaw, Lee Best, Sheridan, Borthwick, Alex Sanderson, Andy Beattie, Lee Mears. It was an unbelievable team. And um, we went to Australia won seven out of seven the provincial games and Australia had played all black schools the week before and pumped them. So Australia schools are properly good. They had Phil War and all these guys. and uh, we actually put I think we 38 points on Australia schools in Sydney. We just had this great team and um, but in that game, Ryan Cross skinned Bolsh on the outside twice, which just really? did not happen. Mm-hmm. I don't think it ever happened before or after that day. But he was an unbelievable player. And he went to rugby league, didn't he? Do you remember, he went to rugby league and was yeah, like a rock star in rugby league. And then That's he right. came back to union, played for Aussies, and went back. I think a
2: little bit like Skeletor.
1: Looked a lot like Skeletor. Um, yeah.
2: But the, Lee Burton's coming on the show later on. Scored a lovely try. Oh, did he? The angle. Lee the angle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was also keeping the width that wide, you know, so it separates defenders.
1: Yeah, really and good. Creates space. Yeah. And decoy again.
2: Yeah. And Shane Williams got the ball and Lee hit the angle, scored into the posts.
1: I think I'm going to cry beautiful.
2: Um yeah but there's a, there's a few options really Wales have got Sam Ordens I think he's fit now but he still hasn't played for a while and it's whether they throw him back in Sam's pretty robotic in what he does and I mean that in a good way you know he's he doesn't really need a feel for the game maybe like someone like Marlon Williams used to you know mm. he's, he's not really that link man between the forwards and backs he's just an animal just a machine area. Yeah. yeah just loves Disrupting ball, slowing ball down. Does he need two or three games to get himself match fit? I'm not really sure he does. Um, it, the, the problem we got in Wales is our best player, Toby Fallatau is injured. Talupe. Yes, Talupe. All right. Well, yeah. Toby to his mates.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Talupe. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and who do they play at number eight? There's a guy called Dan Baker from yeah. The Ospreys. Yeah. But do you then use? Do you maybe use Sam Warbling at eight? Justin Tipperick mm. at seven, Ross Moriarty at six. I would yeah. tend to go for that combo.
1: So I wonder who's the best ball carrier of the three? Moriarty. So I'd potentially put him at eight. I mean, it's not it's not like the eight pick up is a major part of an eight game anymore. I think it is. Well Well, working nicely at the back of the scrum with the scrum half is, but maybe it's a pick and deliver, but the old eight you know, the old lightning call eight man pick up and go, mm. your eighth man pick up and go is just I don't think you need the same ball control at your feet anymore. I, mean, I think
2: Moriah is probably the best carrier, but Warburton's so powerful in those tight areas as well.
1: Mm.
2: Um, and, you know, it works with Pocock. Yeah. Plays, plays a fair bit of 8 doesn't he? Yeah.
1: I've got to say, is I mean, I, I absolutely would put Warburton straight back in. If he's fit and good to go, I think he adds something. I think he adds something that other people don't add. He's just so physical around the contact area. I mean, then you've
2: got the back three of Liam Williams... Lee Halfpenny and George North yeah. right? I think they should play Liam at 15 Do you? Lee Halfpenny on the wing George yeah. on the left wing Yeah. Um, and then you've got your second row options Alan jones will play of course he will no matter what it's just
1: whether you go for Charteris whether you go for Bradley Davis Charteris Jake Ball might be fit Jake Ball might be fit he's hurt his ribs didn't he mm. playing for Scarlets but <clears throat> excuse me but um, Charteris has just come back from injury recently yeah. for Bath and he hasn't quite hit form yet Um I've watched him the last couple of weeks and he's he's been fine and he's clearly very, very good yeah. at what he does but he's not quite on flying form yet and it's whether they feel whether the, Rob Howley feels that he's so indispensable it doesn't matter if he's hit form yet get him in mm-hmm. or, if or if Jake Ball's injured or whatever but I, I would imagine Charteris would be struggling more to get into the team than Warburton
2: Yeah, well, I agree um, Let's look at England now
1: Yeah wingers for England. It's fascinating, you know, and when... The thing is, every club, you you notice this as you go around the grounds like uh, we do with the media, or I do, and you do to watch. Um, And you notice that every club thinks their winger should be playing and they can't believe they're not playing. And the Bath fans feel particularly passionate about Samisa Rocaduguni, Fijian winger.
2: I've I've been a neutral. Mm. I think he deserves a spot right now. I think he was great again on the weekend. His form's been brilliant. this season so far, mm. and I feel sorry for him because he's a one cap wonder.
1: Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. But i I, I do think he'll be playing for England um, yeah. because a lot of injuries at the moment. But I'm mm. not. I'm not as convinced as all the Bath fans seem to be, or lots of the Bath fans seem to be. So I watched the Exeter Bath game yesterday live, and he the first two times he got the ball, he did what I call. Sort of fastest kid in school or strongest kid in school behaviour so he thought Owen's going to run straight yeah, through yeah. you and he got buried into touch twice now one time in 10 you might try and bounce off James Short and get knock him to pieces but actually he's very powerful as well yeah. and Rocca Degouni does seem to do that sometimes he's very strong in the air he's very elusive he's got great feet he's powerful I think because Because he's done some amazing things, ball in hand, over the last few seasons, and he really has, and he's nailed some people in the tackle as well. People think to themselves, "God, he's unbelievably rapid, and he's massive." For me, he's he's not unbelievably rapid. He's agile. He's got good acceleration, and he's quick. He's not stupidly quick. And yesterday, okay, compare him to someone then who's stupidly quick. Johnny May is stupidly quick. Okay, Johnny May's scary quick. I don't I don't think Rocky is that quick. His forty metre times might be great or whatever. When it comes to it, I don't think he's the fastest winger out there. He's fast enough to play for England on the yeah. wing. But he's not super sprinter rapid like a lot of people seem to assume, I don't think. Um, okay. He also he's also not massive. I mean he's a big powerful guy. No, he's I, very I, he's, physical. Yeah. But he's not massive. Matt no. Banahan's massive. Julian Sarveya, you know, so when you see Rocky play plays first cap against the All Blacks for England, he gets the ball and Julian Sarveo is opposite him and he runs into him and thinks I'm going to bounce this guy and show him how strong I am and he gets dumped on his back mm. so there's this whole thing that he's always been bigger and stronger and faster than everyone else so yesterday the first two times he got the ball he got dumped into touch he's you just know? powerful like, you know like Josh Lucy used to be Josh Lucy yeah. was never the biggest of players but he could get
2: yeah. lots of yards after contact he'd pump his legs he'd, get, he'd use his strength and his power
1: yeah and Robert Agune like that and yeah. my, my point is and he's, he's very strong in the air He's a very strong tackler. His defensive positioning is certainly improved from where it was a couple of seasons ago. But I, I just don't go along with the sort of hordes of Bath fans who think it's an outrage that he hasn't been playing for England for the last two years. I, I think he doesn't do enough right actually yeah, okay. regularly. So you've got
2: him. You've got Marlon
1: Yard. Yeah, he's in really good form. Really? Yeah, really good.
2: I didn't think he was great
1: yesterday. Well, okay. Or on the weekend. Okay, I think I think you might be right actually. So we do have form last week, but this season yeah. is the best he's played in you know, since he moved to Quints, And then you've also got Johnny May back. But yeah. He's straight straight back in the England EPS as well, but I again he's it's more it's more to do with who's injured mate, I think. Yeah,
2: yeah, there's the, I know they've tried Mike Brown on the wing before. But that's mm. good at fifteen.
1: Yeah. Um so there are some options there. Yeah, but I think Marlon, OK, it wasn't his best weekend this weekend, but he's been playing really, really well. And he's again, he's not a huge guy, but he is so strong, mm. so strong. And when he's committed to getting involved, he is, I mean, he's actually, for not a huge guy, he is quite beastly on the ball. OK, what about your, what about the second row then? Yeah, fascinating, everyone's injured. Uh, launch real play, of course, um, yes. lose nothing there. I expect Dave Atwood will play with him. Um, really interesting watching Bath play yesterday because they've got Dave Atwood, who we know about. They've also got a young guy called Charlie Ewells, who's England 20s second row, I think. And this guy's played second row, he played number eight at the weekend for Bath. And this is a 21 year old or something, sort of guy that will be the captain of the club in a couple of years. Yeah. And I've always thought this guy's really, really good, but I've wondered, is he quite bulky and heavy hitting enough yet? And I heard a little rumour yesterday that Eddie Jones had said to him, mate, you ain't gonna get in my England team because you can't tackle. Really? And I heard a rumour. I love these. Yeah, and up. he was bashing people really? against Exeter. He was, un- he was an absolute force of nature. So mm. he will run Dave Atwood closer than people think, that's what I'd say. Okay. Back row? Yeah, Billy. Yeah, has to play, won't he? Has to play. Um,
2: Do you go from an out and out seven?
1: Well, do, do England have one to choose from in their squad? I mean, they haven't put Kvesic in the squad. Sam Jones broke his leg doing judo, doing origami. Um, I guess they, Chris Robshaw can flip over to seven, but Eddie Jones has always seemingly been adamant that he, Chris Robshaw is not a seven. Yeah. Um, personally, I mean, I, I love the idea of Nathan Hughes at six. You know, I expect Tom Wood will come into the back row. But I love the idea of Hughes, Vunapola, yeah. and say Rob Shaw. I think that's nice. But then you, with Nathan Hughes, you just get half the work that you get from Haskell. And to England's successful formula so far has been two workhorses on the flanks, and Billy. Billy works incredibly hard too. Billy just concentrating on his carrying because that's what he does best. Brilliant the weekend again. Amazing. Both the brothers are. On
2: yeah, flying form. Amazing. Just, yeah. uh, just quickly, Island
1: All Blacks. Who do you think is going to win In that? In Chicago. Chicago chicka go. Is it the Windy City? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Well who do you reckon's gonna win it, Tommy? Mm,
2: I think if Ireland got a chance well I think if anyone's got a chance to be the All Blacks it has to be at home. Mm. In your home stadium. But I'm looking forward to it. They've got the Marries and USA the day before. Oh right. So it's, so it's like cool. a it's a weekend rugby fest out in America, yeah. which is great.
1: Yeah, that's nice. Um,
2: but no, I think the All Blacks will, will just be too strong, especially the form they've got coming off the back of the mm. rugby
1: championships. Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd be amazed if they didn't win very, very comfortably. Yeah, put a bet on. Yeah. Do you ever bet? Do you bet on anything?
2: I do. I, I often bet on Six Nations, but then I just get really personal with players, you know, when they mess up towards the end of a game, when games are close.
1: Yeah, so, you slag them off.
2: Wow. Well, it just, just hate really them. annoys me if, like, if someone there's a rubbish box kick or, and they turn the ball over and all of a sudden they get a penalty um, yeah. and they lose by a certain amount of points because I do handicap betting mostly so it's yeah. not just straight win or lose it's Wales with 10 points say against Scotland or something like okay. that and
1: what if, sort of money do you put on a tenner, or like 100 quid or 200 quid or what yeah what
2: I go bigger rather than smaller do you? well I want to win big yeah so
1: well, uh, you've so stopped, basically. You can tell us you've stopped doing it now. Yeah, I stopped doing it. I just play uh, fruit machines, <laughs> <laughs> like Brian Potter. Yeah, <laughs> I see a bright light coming towards me. <laughs> Tommy, it was um, it was Derby weekend in the Pro 12, but it was um, it was a bit odd, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a bit odd um, because all of the international players were on international duty. Well, they were in camp, so they weren't released. They're in camp, x-ray, Yes, eating kale. So We've had a couple of questions about it, actually, we I mean, people have emailed in and stuff about it. Just it just doesn't, doesn't make, it. make sense to have your Welsh derby
2: with no access to your Welsh international players. I mean, the, the Pro 12's struggle as it is. Welsh rugby, sort of league level, I think, isn't yeah. great at the moment. Yeah. And you only get a few games, you only get two games each year derby games you've got to have your stars playing you've got to get people interested you've got to get people into your stadium mm. and I think it's it's pretty poor that uh, these fixtures were organised um, within a 13 day or 14 day window where Rob Howley and Warren Gatlin can remove,
1: get, the could, yeah, remove
2: the top guys remove the top guys and have players so it was I mean it, it was a pretty exciting game on the weekend um, the Scarlet's beat the Blues 26 that
1: decision the Shinglers yellow card yeah, Tell us about was. that, because that was, that was awful.
2: Yeah, well, I'm not sure who the ref was. He was, he was a fairly young guy. and
1: he Let's, just let's called, call him ref, let's call him ref. <laughs> yeah, sir. Sir.
2: Um, he just ended up yellow carding Aaron Shingler for doing nothing, basically. The ball was kicked forward or backwards, whichever team you're on, and both Shingler brothers were going for it. And if anything, Stephen Shingler pushes his brother out of the way. They all fall over and the ref gives the yellow card to Ann Shingler with 10 minutes to go when the game was still fairly tight. Mm. Um, Wayne Stevenson um, on Twitter just says, um, just wondered if you think refs should be reprimanded somehow if they make glaring and
1: errors, mm. e.g. the Shingler sh- yellow card gate." Refs are assessed, they are critiqued, they are marked, they're hammered when they get things wrong, but it's... In, it's internal you know it, there's a refereeing assessing board and there are yeah you know, they have kind of mentors and bosses like the rest of us do but it's just not as public as the players and uh, that was a horrible error and all refs make horrible errors especially when they're starting out i expect and even when they're even when they're experienced when well, you look at Zuberg in the um Joubert. yeah, yeah. Juberg. i like Zuberg yeah yeah he's a good guy um but is well. they all make horrible errors i i don't think it should be made more public and more aggressive I think that is not the right way to go I think we need to as long as there are people agenda free assessors um, who are not paid to keep these play- keep these referees in the game they are paid to improve the standard of refereeing I think we have to trust in that and you know be, remain true to the, the, the longer the game the rugby union's professional the more there is at stake kind of year on year because the numbers get bigger and yeah. whatever, audiences get bigger and whatever but I think we have to remain true to the value which is being gentlemanly around referees treating them well in fact better than any other sport hopefully and forgiving them for making mistakes understanding that they're human I think that's um, difficult when you're at the cold face and I've been there myself It's but being objective about it I think um, no I don't think we, they should be treated more aggressively publicly but The Blue
2: Scars was it was a great atmosphere there it was near enough full the stadium
1: Yeah. Um,
2: There's a couple of things, really. The Blues should have been awarded a penalty try at the end of the first half. Just scrum after scrum Mm. after scrum. Um, It looked pretty glaring, really. You know, when a scrum goes down, another penalty to the Blues. There was three, four,
1: five scrums, I think, before. Yeah, I sometimes think the refs just are desperate for that ball to come out because they haven't got to make a scrum call, aren't they? But the Scarlets deserve to win that game. They did. They played better rugby. The
2: Blues' defence was average, a lot of holes. And they just missed, like Nick Williams... He's been yeah. brilliant for them at the start season. He's, he's injured at the moment. Mm. Um, so he wasn't great. Then the next day we had the Ospreys-Dragons. 35 mm. to the Ospreys. No shock there. They're, they're, they are the best team. Who played 10 else. for the Ospreys? Um, Josh Matavesi. So oh, moved yeah. up from 12 to 10 because Sam Davis
1: and Dan Bigger. Yeah, yeah. He actually won Man of the Match as well. Did he? Yeah. He's a great lad, Josh. He was that he was like academy player when I was at Bath. And he went to Exeter mm. then. Yeah. Um and been to France? has he been to
2: France? Have I made that up? I think so. He normally plays twelve and he's been one of their best players for the last two or three seasons. Yeah. Um but just standard Osprey scrum was good, line out was good, set piece, driving line outs, the lot. Um but I tell you one to look out for, mm. listeners and you, David, is a winger
1: named Keelan Giles. Oh, young kitty. Yeah. Scoring tries for fun. Yeah. yeah. scored like Eight tries in four games. Scored forty seven tries in two weeks, Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um
2: he's not in he's not gonna play for Wales, I don't think, in the autumn or the six nations. He's Why not? not? Um, still a little bit too young, just come on the scene, but I think one day he will play for him fairly soon. George North was quite young, mate. He was just a freak I mate. Mean. He was a freak. He, yeah. he didn't even play under twenties rugby. He moved straight up from under eighteens straight into the first team. Did he? Yeah. It's all politics though at that level. It isn't is. It, it is. Yeah. Um, in the Pro Tour, we also had Munster Ulster derby. Mm. Munster. Did you narrowly beat them,
1: fifteen fourteen drop kick right at the end? Did you hear um, when Nevin Spence died, the Ulster player? When um, Ulster went to Munster, Munster put a plaque up in at Munster as, as sort of in recognition. Um, in memory of Nevin Spence, and this time when Munster arrived at the Ulster ground, there was yeah. a plaque to Anthony Foley at the ground. Oh. And after the game, the Ulster players took a crate of beer into the Munster changing room and
0: sat oh, and had nice, a beer—real
1: yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah, love that because yeah. they obviously hate each other for that hour. And yeah, that half yeah, but of course they do. I love stuff like that. Oh, that's rugby union, isn't it? Yeah, it's lovely. Peelhouse scored for Ulster again. Of course he did. Best player in the league. Yeah, he's, he's getting on. He's getting on for being the best player in Europe. Yeah, I, I agree um, But the result that really broke me yeah. Zebra being Edinburgh In Murrayfield 1914 Do you know what mate? It's actually It's actually Bloody scandalous that is Especially after Edinburgh Did so well against Quinns Yeah The following week
2: Reminds, week reminds so. me
1: of We might have mentioned this On a previous pod um, When you and I were playing for Sarries And we were a really good team We were doing alright Winning loads of games And then we had back to back games Against Cardiff in Europe at cardiff we got absolutely destroyed we got there and the wheels came off our season they were just so up for it that it was like it was like a test match for them they were just savage and i remember thinking they properly build themselves up for these games and you watch them a couple of weeks later on the tv highlights and they were just average yeah. and we're sort of maintaining this eight out of ten level every week in the prem the pro 12 what it was called then seemed to dip to a much lower average or a significantly lower average level, but raise itself for big games. Do you reckon that's what Edinburgh did against Quinns? Because they were great against Quinn's and they're yeah. gonna lose to Zebra. I, I mean, and Zebra, bearing in mind, got hammered by wasps as well, didn't yeah. they? Um
2: yeah, I just think it's a, a concentration level. I think it's they they take teams lightly, they feel
1: out second or third teams against some of these Italian team. It's just they're also not used to playing at a really high level every week. No. They're not. I mean they can't be because um yeah, that that's well, well done to Zebras. The first thing, but that—that's outright. That's embarrassing. It's the first time they've won um, in Scotland. Is it? Yeah. I'm not surprised. They shouldn't. They shouldn't even
2: have won once. But we've got a question here um, from Hugh David. Mm. Does great design and artwork. Does There's he? Loads of stuff for, for me uh, and LS Media. Okay. What have you?
1: Um, LS Media is Shanks Media Company, by the way. Yeah. They're really, really good. We do events and hospitality. You do really nice ones. Yeah. I, I've been to a few of them. Hosting one with Haskell and Warburton. Yes, you are. 18th January. of January. Yeah, in London. Um, Grosvenor Square, is it, I think? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. But I've been to a few of their events and they are very, very good. Went to one with uh, Graham Swan. That was really good fun, actually. Yeah, we He did was a was. sport event. He really? was Larry. He was great fun. I liked him. Loves Kevin Peterson as well. Loves Kevin Peterson. Yeah. yeah. Best mates really really good mates and he's quite he's quite um, quite open to talking about that as well is, just but to... if you're interested in the dinner just uh, tweet me
2: at Tom Shanklin 18th of January yeah I wonder if I've got anything to plug Walk it's our podcast calls. we can plug whatever we like yeah we, we, we can um, but a question from you David how good a product is a Pro 12 when the Derbies are played without international stars and low standards of refereeing it's not Dude, great it's not great in summary it ain't great it ain't it. great You need your stars there. You don't quite have the strength and depth that a lot of other, like I say, I suppose the Aviva Premiership
1: has. So in order for the product to be good on the field, we need the stars playing week in, week out. Late 80s, mate, my dad took me on a special father-son day out to watch Neath against Ponty at Neath. Yeah. And 30 blokes kicking the seven shades out of each other, fans almost with nosebleeds and tears coming out of their eyes, they were that passionate... Wales needs to get back there somehow. I'm just not sure how. So the Viva Premiership? Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. Good weekend? Yeah. Where yeah. have you been? I've been, all, I've been all over the place. I haven't actually. I haven't been all over the place. I was working on Friday night. I did a charity dinner for Paul Grayson on with, <sighs> with Jeff Miller. You. Yeah, it was a bit annoying though, because I had to drive with no rear screen, no, you know, boot yeah. whatever it is my boot got smashed into of course I had to drive from London up to Northampton for a dinner leave it outside the club with no with completely open because the windows smashed in um, nothing got stolen which is incredible considering we're in the in the Midlands mm. and then I had to drive left there at midnight and drove back to Bath which got home about half two Saturday morning mm. i got to say I thought it would be quite cold I thought I'd have to get the heated seats on no. being in a and this, you're being in a. I'm very, very lucky to have this really nice car that I get to drive around in at the moment. But being in a Range Rover with no rear screen on it, it's basically a, still a little bit nicer than being in a normal car. So it was quiet. It was warm. Unless you're reversing down the motorway. Yeah. Yeah, 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 flat out. But at, at 69, just where the legal legal speed limit is, absolutely fine. Um, yeah. So I, I caught up I caught up on the TV over the weekend. But I I was at Exeter on Sunday. But the Northampton Gloucester was a pretty low grade affair to be honest two teams struggling Uh, two teams that i'm I'm not convinced currently know who they are um alex king's bit the bullet at saints and i still i still there's still a bit of me that thinks he's just been made a bit of a scapegoat there but we'll never know internally i just it the gloucester fans must just be it's always the last quarter for gloucester The last last quarter of the game for
2: gloucester i know probably most games have won or lost but they're losing nearly everything and
1: the last five, ten minutes, really lack of discipline is discipline is key for him. Belief, identity, direction, it's something and I there was a rumour in the rugby paper, um, I think it was yesterday. I didn't I don't haven't actually bought the rugby paper, but I someone sent me a picture of the rumour that Carl Ferns is coming, who went from Bath because Sam Burgess came in and Ferns, yeah. he, Mike Ford just basically bin Carl Ferns off, even though he was a brilliant player. He said I'm out of here, went to Lyon been away for two years and there's rumors that he's coming back to Gloucester on massive cash. Really? Now, well, then, that That yeah, is a proper sign. Paid in cash? Cash, yeah. yeah. Wow. He'll declare it all. He'll but that, that is, for me, that is a proper signing because yeah. um, he has got steel, he's durable, he's mega aggressive. He's a lot like Moriarty actually Yeah. and they need a few of those. I mean the difference I thought
2: was just pick him again. again. I think he has to be the best sort of marquee signing.
1: Yeah. this year in the Aviva Premiership, he's one. Of, he is one of the best foreign signings I've seen since uh, Xavier Rush went to mm. Cardiff. He is Pekerman is absolutely just phenomenal. That, what he can achieve, for just an offload for the Castle. Yeah, but what he can achieve repeatedly for a massive unit. Yeah. You know, like Billy, like Billy Apola, similar. They're both stretching away from Nathan Hughes at the moment. I tell you, yeah, I agree, mate. I tell you, someone who's been good
2: for, for Gloucester. Well, Moriarty's been good. I'm just glad he's not injured mm. um, now for Wales because I think we'll see a lot of him. Um, but Matt Scott, again... Yeah, left out, left out the Scotland squad. Looks very
1: good. Yeah, he looked really good at the weekend. I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure why that is. But they they got To be honest, Scotland have got a load of good centres. Well, they have, but he's still one of the form centres. I know Dunbar's back... Mm. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe it's a case of if we got a 50-50, we'll choose a guy that plays in Scotland. Bennett was good on the weekend again, scored a lovely try. He's so good. He's so good. Um, but Saracen's Leicester was um, interesting at the weekend. I mean, Sarries just, Sarri's weren't at their best, but they won at a canter. I can't believe, it. the first try they scored right was an overthrow in the line-out. Mm.
2: Barrett takes it up, standard. Um, uh, two more contacts and Wiles was over in the corner it was literally like watching a team run yep. you know the day before a game you do a team yep. run and you're just quick contact there, quick contact there and there's only the, bec- only the bench you're
1: defending because there aren't many numbers and they're no. not hitting you anyway but that that was that was worrying for Leicester what I think was more worrying for Leicester is that what they've always gone back to and relied on is that um, that lack of concession up front and there was driving more they conceded that Billy, Billy Vinopolo ended up scoring at yeah. the end Mate, they just absolutely dissolved.
2: I mean, they they, they came back at like sixty-six minutes with a, a nice try from Catchpole. Yeah, that's a strange surname, isn't it? Yeah, well, it depends. On, like, depends what line of work you're in. Well, that's what I think. You know, a lot of surnames are taken from jobs, weren't they? Yeah. So, really? if you were, if your surname's Turner, you were someone who used to turn wood. Oh right, okay. Yeah, Faulkner is derived from a falconer.
0: Is it? Yeah.
2: Um Chambers. So if you're saying Chambers is a man who used to look after the king's private chambers. Oh, right. So, Catchpole. Grewcock. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, tell him. Makes you think, doesn't it? Tell him. Oh uh, yeah, it really makes you think. Makes you think.
2: Um, but yeah, that it was a good game again. Sorry's just
1: the basics yeah I did Leicester don't don't look right um I still reckon they'll be top four but they don't look right um Sarri's do basic stuff very very well they lost both the second rows and they bring in Mike Rose who's never played in the second row before and he's man of the match it's yeah they're they're one of those teams that everyone talks about rotation and sharing games they actually do it and breathe it and their coaching and the environment is so good that it works Harlequins 36 Worcester 40
2: I think was one of Harlequins better games this season bar beating Saracens it was and actually
1: for the first half at least Worcester attacked really nicely yeah they did um, but uh Ben Teo looked really good he did powerful uh, strong powerful strong he looked he looked really good he's getting better and better but I, st- I still think Joe Marchant was better on the day um, I start,
2: yeah I look yeah. I think Ben Teo possibly might be in England 23 because he offers something different I think mm-hmm. if they're going to start with Ford and Farrell or Farrell mm-hmm. and Ford if you've got someone like Teo coming on, he's going to tighten it up, he's going to get over the game line, he's going to give them that front foot ball. Um, but I agree with you, Marchant has to, has had to wait a while really to get his shot because of yeah. obviously
1: Jamie Roberts at 12. Yeah, um, but um, yeah, and Hopper plays so well for them and they've got, they've got great midfield options. At he's clean. got pace though, hasn't he, Marchant? Yeah, he has, he's a lot like... Um, He's a lot like Jonathan Joseph, and it's not just yeah. because from the stands they look similar, and they yeah. just do, and um, they do look similar. They're similar build, um, similar style run, of running. Yeah, similar style of running, similar footwork. Uh, they both sort of dancers at thirteen, as opposed to you know bludgeons like you were um, and Sterling Mortlock was. But they, but they're very very similar. But he's he's unfortunate in a sense because he's come along at the same time as Joseph, as some other really good centres like you know the likes of Daly and all those guys. But Manu Tuolangi, you know, George, I uh, mean, Farrell seems to have 12 sewn up at the moment with George. Yeah, he does. But he's, he's a lovely player, um, but then you watch him and just think, wow, this guy's special. You watch Jonathan Joseph in a game that was, in attacking terms, quite poor at Exeter for both sides. You watch Jonathan Joseph defensively and you think there is definitely no one else taking that jersey while he's mm-hmm. in this form. He's He's nowhere near not being in that team. Mike Brown. One, yeah, he's one of his a nice better try. games as well? I think it was his first Prem try in two years, actually. you really? yeah. He looked when he saw that try, he looked that was you know a good turn of pace. So who would you quit. go
2: with at fifteen? Him or good? Um It's a tough one, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. The rugby fan in me yeah. says Alex Good Because he runs like a gazelle? He runs like a gazelle and it's probably more like he's, what I'd say about Alex Good is he's more likely to get the ball away. Than Mike Brown in contact or before and after contact than Mike Brown, which means you're more likely to test the defence once he's been caught. But then, if you're a coach, how do you drop Mike Brown? Mm -hmm. He does things so well. I, I think, and I don't think he is an overtly conservative choice. I think he could do with getting the ball away a bit more than he does. But he regularly, regularly beats first defenders. What I love about him most of all is something he shares has in common with Jack Knowle, is that. They're both quick. They're both quick enough to play for England 50 times. So they're not not saying they're not quick, but they're not electrically electrically quick. But they no. run unbelievably hard. Yeah, they run like they're not quick enough, and I love that. Um, so I think I, I think I would still pick Mike Brown. That's one talking point. That was
2: the Visser the loud try. Um, Danny Care I was obstructing, but it's happening a lot now. Um, it happened a couple of weeks ago with Hayley Petty. Mm. um obstructing Julius surveyor yeah. um and it was Visser gets the ball care doesn't want to get in the way but he ends up running someone else's line mm. it's, it's really difficult isn't it because you're trying to get out of the way because you're waiting for your winger to do where the winger's gonna you know what him. i'm gonna
1: i'm gonna stop you there it's not difficult you either get in someone's way or you just run straight just run straight that's that's on that's from a prop mind.
2: but when you're running flat out as a back and you're trying to trail a winger and you, you wait. are sort of hanging back for the winger to do something. It's hard to get out of the way sometimes okay, yeah. he might step inside. He might cut. Like for instance, when Shane Williams had the ball, you just had to try and give him as much room as possible. Yeah. Um, and if you obstruct someone in the process of him scoring a try, then so it's a bit it. of a nightmare. What you can't do is look over your shoulder and look to see who's coming. You just yeah. have to act naturally. Yeah. As best you can.
1: Do what I saw Kevin Sowell do once, which was because he was worried about running a ghosting line was as he's running he's supporting the winger who was about to like running in to try and score Kev just put his hands like behind his head as he was running along <laughs> <laughs> he's sprinting as fast as he can with just his hands both behind his head just put him up like you're under arrest yeah yeah it was, it was embarrassing but Tim Visser um, well sorry quinn has got another two intercept tries at the weekend yeah. I think Visser fed Danny Kerr and Joe and got the other That's one. right. Um, and I you know Ryan Lamb plays so flat to the line that's always a worry but I think it's always a possibility, but I, I look at Tim Visser in particular and I think he's huge, he's very quick, he's a brilliant finisher. Yeah. Um, but I do often think that wingers who make that many interceptions are... I don't... I'm never quite sure, and you'll know more about this, are they really, really bright or are they actually scared? Are they actually doing that to try and stop themselves having to make a tackle? Do you know what I mean? Because I, I think Tim Visser, despite being a big old unit, a freaky yeah. big unit... Doesn't seem as comfortable whacking people in defence as he does in attack. I think a lot of it has to do with the opposition. So they've
2: looked at Lamb and seen how flat he plays, and seen that there are passes to be picked off. Mm. Um, whilst you know with Saracens, when Saracens play, yes, Farrell plays fat, but the second pass back is mm. so deep yeah. that there's not that many intercepts available. Um, so I think when you, especially someone like Lamb, who like I said plays fat there is opportunity there so they would have looked at that for sure yeah um, but you were at and Bath see we differ now because
1: I didn't really enjoy that game until about 15 minutes to go but you you well, it was you quite up, enjoyed it didn't you it was 6-3 to Bath after 70 minutes I mean how can you enjoy that except I did I loved it yeah um, and I, I was sitting near all the journos and a couple of the journos said to me god I hope this picks up in the second half and we went to get that's exactly what I was that. thinking I was thinking guys, it's bloody great and I didn't realise it was only three or whatever it was Um. I loved it it was just brutal it yeah. was just brutal I don't think the scrummage was handled particularly well from a refereeing point of view that's sometimes the way it goes but I think Bath probably weren't rewarded as much as they should have been I don't think either team was very fluent in attack there was some lovely tactical kicking from Steenson Slade and Ford on the day but the kicking from the tee was awful mm. from both of them so even even, even itself out so who cares um, maybe it was windier than it felt on the touchline don't know but it was just defensive Brutality. I mean, some of the hits that were going in were just outrageous, and I kind of like that. I mean, it's it's not. It's probably not the product that Premiership Rugby wants to sell on a weekly basis. It should have been two teams that have a proper go. But Exeter haven't performed. I mean, it's uh, it's interesting. We got we got a a question uh, this week. We get well, we get lots of questions, but we got a question uh, this week from a man called Ian Greenhoff. Um, he calls himself the Hoff which I respect Yeah, um, and he said you always talk about such and such playing brilliantly or this guy being a great bloke rarely mentioning a negative um, in the interest of balance which players or teams have under- underperformed or disappointed you this season and who have you come across during your careers who's just not a very nice bloke or just a bad lad now what I'm not into is singling out Shoddy blokes and sticking the knife, in it's just—I, you know, there are the odd guy you come across in rugby who's not a great bloke. There are, there's kind of the odd knob everywhere, but some people probably think that about us. Certainly about you. And I—I um, <laughs> I think I, you know, I just—I don't think it benefits anyone to stick the knife into somebody on a podcast. And they're not here to defend themselves, so we're not going to bother with that. But I think um, I think you're right. I think we're, we're naturally complimentary, positive guys, but um, I think we are. Hopefully, willing to say when teams are underperforming. And for the last month or so, I've been talking about Exeter and saying they're so close to any losing games by a point or two. They, you know, they're really, really close. They'll get there. This was the first time yesterday where I, I thought they don't actually offer the threat that they've offered the last couple of seasons. It's the first time I've looked at Exeter and thought these guys actually haven't developed since last season. And it's not that they've gone backwards; they just haven't developed. And other teams have caught up with them defensively and they don't seem able to play that sort of aerobically breathless testing wide wide game which rips teams defences apart they don't seem able to get there well I they don't have
2: big size I don't think they don't have players that are massive they've got Waldrum, who is a great carry but you look at the backs there's no real big ball ball carriers there
1: so they have to play a fairly wide game who who looking up the air I th- I'm, look- I'm looking up in the air I'm, I'm, Witten, I'm, Slade Witten w- w- Witten's a massive powerful guy but he's, he's not I don't think he is I don't think okay. he gives you that go forward that other
2: players like a Banahan, would do mm. um, you know they, they don't really have the size so they have to play that wide wide game they're, yeah. they're very good passers of the ball but when teams shut them down you know they, they're not so good at the tight play I don't think they're not so good at uh, yeah the forwards are pretty good at picking and go, but the backs, they
1: naturally they want to throw the ball wide and get into the wide channels. Mm. I think um, it's been it's been big for them not having Dave Ewers and Don Armand yeah. in the back row. Those guys, are are proper units, proper ball carriers, I think that's that's made a big difference. The they're the best, they are,
2: the ball is going from one side of the field to the other, there's shortening defences, there's wide gaps, there's overlaps, um, but when it becomes tight like it was against Bath.
1: yeah. They're slightly lacking. I feel there, there were times as well when um, remember we, even when I used to play against Exeter in the old days. But since then, and they've got better and better, I've often looked at guys like Steenson and Slade, their midfield, and thought these guys. It sounds quite basic, but their their core skills, getting the ball out wide, their core skills are very very strong. Yeah, they are. Um, so you know, quite, quite often you'll see pro sides that actually how how often does a ball zip from one side to the other under pressure often there is at least one stopper of a pass that knocks somebody out their stride but I think with um, Steenson and Slade apart from the odd natural human error those guys are sort of high end ball handlers but then with someone like Witten, he is is more a physical presence than he is a ball player so a few times it broke down in midfield um, with either Steenson or Slade trying to come around the back of Witten, and off the shoulders because there isn't quite the natural you've got someone who's there for sort of physical ballast um, where with someone like a Banahan the last season and a half at Ligt, certainly he gives you that ballast but he also has the skill level to get that that ball away yeah Pallix's hands are about three feet across and it's like holding a cricket ball for him but um, yeah Exeter it, it, it's an interesting question from the Hoff I think that we're probably naturally positive and we're, we're not scared hopefully we're not scared of saying what we think about things but um I think Exeter now I, I don't feel like they're almost there I feel like they've got a way to go actually Just a point on Exeter they were defending Steenson on the wing
2: and often that, that's good for a weaker tackler because you know at 10 you have to make a lot of tackles off the back of scrums off lineouts. You you're target it's, it's harder to target someone on the wing mm. but eventually that's where Barr scored their final try Yeah, um, he was on the wing it's not a position that he's used to, to playing and Rocket googly just brushed him off, stepped inside Woodburn and, and scored a, a great try which won in the game at the end.
1: you see Banahan bounce Steenson as well and then throw Henry Slade off in the next hit and then the first half it was I mean see, there's some yeah. serious power knocking around I must say Henry Slade he's had a couple of games this season where he's just looked pop I when I say gorgeous he always looks gorgeous but he's played gorgeous rugby just yeah. classy and there are some there are, he has been a bit inconsistent this first 8 or 9 weeks I, actually I but. look
2: at that extra back line
1: say 10, 12, 30 as, and if you're playing you think right, ball in hand that's good because mm.
2: 3 of them aren't the biggest hitters so you know you're going to win that battle but on the flip side you have to really be on your game defensively because mm. you know there's at least 2 ball players yeah. in that team so you know they can bring in players around them they're very good passers um, so it's a difficult one really It's trying to find that balance But you're right They aren't quite hitting the heights that we're used to
1: seeing No they're not But I I still, I still want Henry Slade to be in that England team And to be told the next five England games are yours Because so I, I think he's just got so much class um, we, We've had a couple of questions Tommy We've actually had quite a lot We've talked about the Hoffs question yeah. um, Greg Warren um, emailed us uh, saying hi guys hi Greg uh, lots of rumours circulating regarding George Ford's departure from Bath at the end of the season likely destination being Tigers how big a blow would this be to the club and can you speculate on a potential replacement well I, th- I think firstly it would be a huge departure for Bath um, I've heard from three or four people now that it's a done deal Yeah, but I don't think that's true um, I think that It's ongoing. I think Todd Black had said as much in a press conference uh, last week, the end of last week, it's ongoing. Um, But it's a tough one. From the outside, you just think, of course he wouldn't leave Bath. Why would he ever leave Bath? It's a perfect club for him. Bath, I expect, have offered him a shedload of money to extend his contract and he'll be a high earner, if not a top earner there, in a club that pays a lot of money anyway. Why would he leave? Um, I expect it's to do with being upset that they sacked his dad. And, you know whatever we think and I you know I I absolutely think that was the right decision I mean 100% there's no doubt in my mind that was the right decision Pretty certain. to make that yeah 103% okay. but you cannot be objective about your own family you just or most people can't be objective so he I've got no doubt he will might will feel wronged by that he'll be talking to George every couple of times a week and I'm sure he's not feeling him negative about the club but there will be a you know a, an ongoing sting um, for George, I would imagine, because his dad got the sack there.
2: Yeah, it's naturally, really, isn't it? Because when you're looking at new contracts, you take advice from your agent, you take mm-hmm. advice from your friends and your family. Yeah. So you can speak to his dad a
1: fair bit about, especially when his dad what, knows what best knows. for him. Yeah. yeah.
2: So. Yeah. So, so it, that's that's hard. Really. It is going to affect him. It, yeah. It's going to affect his choice.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was a a Bath fan tweeted a picture of George celebrating, fist pumping in the air when Rocker D'Agoune scored that last minute winner at Exeter, and said is this the face of a player that wants to leave the club? In, an, in a word, no. Mm. But I think you and I know that that, you know, that doesn't mean... No, not at all. No, it doesn't mean anything, but it doesn't mean anywhere near that much. I mean, if you put... We're pretty uh, chilled-out entertainers now, Tommy, but you put us in a game with a lot of our mates now and we can win it at the last minute, we will be giving absolutely everything well, to if win. We, if
2: we have a game of the yes-no game or something like
1: that... Yeah, then, exa- yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It Or paper of the Stones, Thumb Wars... But you know you would give everything and celebrate when you win. So I don't think that's as clear an indicator. Postman's Knock. Yeah. <laughs> um, Daniel Cure uh, podcast question:
2: Ever been in a Telfer-esque epic team talk, only for someone to snigger, fart, or otherwise ruin the moment? Oh. <laughs> so there's been a few. Um, yeah. <laughs> there was 2007, and Gareth Jenkins was coach at Time Flats, and yeah. We hadn't had the best Six Nations. I think we'd lost all our games bar one to come. That was England. And like like anything, like most teams, um, you're in a Santa Horseshoe, numbered one to twenty-two all around, and you're waiting for your coach to come in and, and give the final few words before you get on the bus and go to the stadium. And Gareth Jenkins came in and he was looking round and he was looking at us, everyone in the horseshoe, was going like that. <sighs> Nodding his head, and we were looking back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And he had his suit on, and he turned away from us, took off his suit jacket, and no joke, his trousers
3: were up round his boobs. I look across, I can see Gethin Jeng. He's got tears in his eyes, and
2: Gethin Jeng has went on for (laughs) five or so minutes. He picked on me, he asked me Shanks, you you're up for this, today and I was like, Yeah, yeah just Oh he's crying, hands. look, he's crying, <laughs> he's so passionate. No, it just threw me. And I'm terrible at anything like that.
1: Yeah. Um oh there been there's been loads over the year. I remember um standing at an England team meeting, like a day of a game, um, and we were going it we we're about to get on the bus to go to Twickenham to play against Ireland or something, you know, and um the Phil Lard of the fence coach stood up, and he just pointed at Robbo, Andy Robinson, and he just said, "Inspired, he, he, that man has inspired me since the day I walked in. Inspired, he is an inspiration." And it was in the end, Julian White was just sitting next to me at the back. We were giggling. It was just like he doesn't quite understand. And Julian White was saying perspired <laughs> he's whispering he has perspired on me since day I walked in he has perspired and respired on me and that was it I just folded and it, I'm, mate, I'm an England team mink about to get on the coach I was laughing so much I was crying I had to pretend I was doing it on my shoelace and I had to pretend I dropped something and I actually climbed under my desk at the back of the room and I looked up and I just saw Whitey's head between his legs <laughs> bright red <laughs> with tears coming out of his eyes and yes. at the end of the meeting Clive was like what was up with you two I said oh asthma, asthma. it's horrible in you know, that situation isn't it oh,
2: there's an, there's that. An, Steve Hansen was a coach of Wales at the time and uh, a great coach and again we're sat in a horseshoe and he's come in he's walked in he's got glass in his hand and he's looking around at us and he just slams it against the wall so the glass smashes everywhere he's like that was my favourite glass <laughs>
0: <laughs> he goes <laughs>
2: I didn't know that was my favourite glass till I smashed it. That was it. Right. There was we meant to take <laughs> something from that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Get it. I remember we're yeah. being in a, a teammate, and it was only like a, it was like a Tuesday morning, Monday morning, but it was like right, we're going to get into it this week. It's a big week. We're playing whoever with England, and I was obviously uh, travelling reserve, and. Um, Clive was like getting right into it and he's flying into this team talk and he's like this and everyone's like oh, let's do it let's do it and then the door just opens to this meeting room and Julian White again walks in in all of his motorbike leathers with his helmet under his arm no one's even noticed he didn't turn up he's that late yeah walks in and he was like uh, and Mark Regan just shouts at the back who ordered pizza <laughs> 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 ah it's class yeah it's class i enjoyed that um, interesting interesting question um, from Jan McGinnity, who you yes. might know, Tom, I certainly know. This is the man who handles the recruitment at Worcester Warriors. He's also my former agent, in the, my contract agent, um, which obviously I don't need anymore. And he says, um, what's your view on the role of agent in the modern game? Should players be able to speak to other clubs before the 1st of January in the Prem or the Championship? Well,
2: they do. Of course, of course they, they do. do. It's, just not, it's just unofficial, isn't yeah. it? So... Um, agents will speak to clubs you know if you've got a year left on your contract you'll be talking straight away yeah you'll have to because by january the first all players will be signed basically anyway
1: yeah and i think leaving it to january the first actually means that if your club doesn't want you or the club aren't going to come up with the goods then suddenly you'll start your beginning negotiations in january and then it's February, March, you're thinking, hang on a minute, and these things take months to sort yeah, out they do. more times than more often than not. So you can end up in a pretty precarious position as a pro. So I think yes, they should. I'm not sure it should be a whole year, but I mean why not why not a whole year? If you if the club back yourselves, if you're that good a club, back yourself to keep the players and extend them. Uh, yeah, and
2: the club will extend contracts
1: with mm. one or two seasons to
2: go sometimes to yeah. make sure that that they're covered.
1: I uh, mean, I I mean I got I got I mean not that I was particularly in demand, but I had calls from two or three three directors of rugby when I was still in contract at Bath mm. and I was, it was way, way before the six month clause, way, way before the 1st of January. One was for the season afterwards, you know, a whole year in advance and said look, we'd like to get you up um, we well, can't do anything official until the 1st of January but what sort of numbers are we talking about? That's, they were the calls I got, I was sitting in my, in my sitting room at home getting calls from mm. DORs and I won't mention who they were um, and actually I'm not even sure they're still operating but that's, maybe that's why but it does happen <clears throat> I don't see why we don't make it official but I, I think you should give the players longer than six months to sort themselves out because it's uh, it's reasonably precarious by that point now we um, we don't always have special guests on we sometimes like to co-host and give someone an actual mic we sometimes call people today we are calling someone hopefully the sound quality is Alright, we'll do our very best. We're calling one of Shanks' former teammates and one of my um, sort of quite regular corporate buddies who is a very good man, hopefully comes up with some good chat. He's got a very, very underrated and strong tan. It is Lee Byrne.
2: Ah Lee Byrne, how are you? Good thanks, Shanks. How are you, mate? Yeah, very good, very good. Let's what are you up to these days, mate? I mean, last time I heard you well,
3: I at the moment, so I just have my cocoa pops now and then. I'm gonna do a bit of chest and guns, standard. Uh, <laughs> and uh, these days, I'm direct, now director rugby of uh, new rugby league team in South Wales. South Wales Iron am we're So changing codes, so nice. take them for me.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, doing a bit of Q
3: and A, as you know, Tom. Uh, they right. call me the Q and
2: A master. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard that. Maybe. He, yeah, <laughs> he's a professional Q and Aer. The after bit, you know, it's never involved
3: in the after bit. It's just a... Q&A's you know so ask me and then uh, anyone that I don't do and I'll pass on the strength yeah. <laughs> I heard that
1: yeah. I only get gets the bum deals you do this for 15 quid yeah yeah sure they'll, they'll cover your I'll diesel do any, do
0: anything,
1: they'll cover your diesel Bernie <laughs> I remember doing um, during the World Cup doing the corporate Q&A's with you and um, you turned up you'd obviously just been away somewhere very very hot and um oh. you, and you, you looked immaculate. And we had a bit of a laugh on stage in a few places. And then one of the agents who was running the show comes up to me and says, "A Flats, um, all really good so far, but could you maybe take the piss out of Bernie, like his jacket and his tan, like a little bit less? I said, oh, don't you like it? I don't think it's funny. She goes, um, no, Bernie's actually said something. He doesn't like it. <laughs> Is that true? Oh, mate,
3: it's just, I, think it's, oh, mate, I think it's just the, the climate in know, I'm always that colour, so... Uh... Yeah, but I, yeah, yeah. I literally got
1: off the plate that day and uh, come back from uh, Greece and the, so went straight to the ground and we done a Q&A like I said I seen you at a burger bar then with shanks <laughs> yeah I mean I, I just I was yeah I was I, I sometimes eat burgers that, that much is true. you don't eat the bread though do you mate <laughs> I don't need the bread, you are, Bernie, you, are, you are looking good on BT Sport, mate. I'll
3: give you that. You're looking slim, mean. Oh, thanks, man.
1: Uh, do you mean that? Do you mean
3: like, that, uh, Bernie? No, I mean it, honestly. I mean it. I'm just going to the gym now, chest and guns. Like Shank says, you don't see the legs in the nightclub, do you? So... It's <laughs> just... <laughs> <laughs> Just you just wait, wait, just you just wear... A red, thinking, you don't, you don't see legs at nightclub, mate. Co-
2: co- co- you, uh, <laughs> you told me on the phone prior to this that, yeah, you thought Flats was good, but his dress was terror. Uh, no, no, i got to be honest. He's looking sharp. He's a, I was impressed with his
3: Well done, Bernie. He's looking lean, you know. As a, as a diet and nutrition specialist myself, you know, people are training him. Uh, I don't know who's, uh, who's training him, but he's
2: doing a good job. You said to, you said to me, does Flats have, or know the word, skinny <laughs> jeans? <laughs> no, no. Sh- Shank- Shanks has
1: always been king of the prom pole. That's all that's, that's always got in the market. That's it. Pole. That's it, mate. Um, <laughs> Prince of Cardiff, mate. Someone told
2: me once, life's about pulling, not pushing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't answer that, one, mate.
3: Yeah, <laughs> we wouldn't know, right, Bernie. Know
1: would we, we, we. we wouldn't know, mate. Uh, so what? Tell us. <laughs> tell us briefly, Bernie, what your um your sort of standard wheat looks like these days in retirement.
3: Well, uh, no, like, to be honest, it's got a, a difficult period after retirement, you know. And I know you know there was a lot of uh, stuff. In the press lately about it you know when Duncan Bell was the first to come out about you know struggles and I and i Tom. Believe it or not, for advice about uh, retirement, and uh, yeah. yeah, he did give me some good advice. You know, I think it's about networking and attending events. But you know, you lose the motivation of you know get up and training every day. But it takes a while. I think it's like a bit like a, a morning stage, really. You know, when you know, and, uh, after you finish playing rugby, and um, you just got to get back get yourself back on your feet, and uh, and find a little niche for yourself. And uh, you know, it's, it's coming along nicely for me now. I'm, Doing a bit of um like i said i'm starting direct a director rugby role in the rugby league team yeah. um it's going to be starting next month obviously the seasons are different so we're going from november to september um we're two divisions away from super league so is you know it is not um, it is not going to be an overnight job but um you know there is a an ambition there and uh, we're up in merthor with Stan, so Stan Thomas. so yeah that's, that's going to be exciting three days a week there um yeah. Also do some PT training with a few clients, um, okay. BBC Radio, we've a face of radio again. Um, yeah, you have, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and also I do a bit of work for Dry Build, um so ambassador
0: work. Uh, you know, they're building company based on your side of the bridge, I believe, uh, flats in Bristol. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think we'll go away with a nice, a nice little trip at the end of the month to the Abu Dhabi Grand
3: Prix with them. Um, all work, as you know. Um Mm. yeah and, so, uh, and you know, it, takes, it, it takes a while but uh, you know it, when you get yourself back and feel you get the buzzer back again and you start training yourself again and I think you know, you, you know it is like the end of the tunnel
2: and minimum of three Q&A's a week as well so you are a busy bloke <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah we did, I didn't put the Q&A's in but uh, yeah well. If I can't do that, my first, first I ring is Shanks. No. It's
1: straight away, yes. Definitely <laughs> yeah, you check, you check the fee. What's, what's the fee? Oh, that's not great. Shanks, do you want to keep you busy, boy? Yeah. Um, right, Bernie, let's talk about rugby for a minute. In in terms okay. of Welsh rugby, as a neutral, you might agree or disagree with this, yep. as a neutral, with Warren Gatlin stepping aside because the Lions and Rob Howley taking over, I'm kind of hoping that Wales are going to expand their game a little bit. What do you know of, you know, sort of... Uh, Rob Howley who's taken over Wales this season now well, you, are they likely to do anything different what do you think what, what do you know about this as, uh, Rob Howley as a bloke that suggests well, they might do anything t- t-
3: t- well, well first of all they brought in um, Matt Sheriff who you may know he's from also the bridge again I believe he's with Bristol yeah. uh, Cardiff Cardiff's new backs coach so um, you know I think Rob has brought him in maybe to take uh, to basically you know Try and do what he wants and expand Wales's games. So I've been led to believe. So um, you know, I think Rob will probably oversee it, see it like Warren does, and uh, and let Matt get on to to the backs and see if he can, um, you know, like I said, expand their game and, and play differently. But uh, you know, I'm I'm hoping they do um you know because uh you know warren's away now with the lions and Wales have got to win you know two of the at least two or three of the four games you know especially against australia and South africa i think you know they need the big scalp uh you know that's a must-down and Japan and argentina they know give so it's a tough order. um but like i said you know you know warren's away and match has come in so a lot of weight is going to be on his shoulder passing his shoulder straight away so um you know i think he'll enjoy it but um you rob probably may be taking a bit of a backward step a little bit
2: Bernie, um, out of the three we've yep. got for the back three, so we've got Lee, um, Liam and George North. Yeah. Who would you play at 15, mate? Um,
3: I would play Liam Williams at 15. Yeah, I said uh, the same. George, George, George North. Uh, I'd put either halfers on the wing for his kicking or um, you're not going to, you know, I I know people would disagree with it. Tom James has been playing very well. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of criticism about the try that he didn't finish against Scotland. But for me, you know, I said the other day, the lead-up work... Probably he could have been, you know, three or four tackles in, uh, hitting racks, and then you know you have 80 metres to run, and Duncan Taylor's no slouch either. So you know you can't. For me, for the form as a if you're going on four players, I would have picked Tom James,
1: Liam Williams, and uh, George Zorf, personally. Mm. I, I yeah, I, I must say from front row's point of view, non-English front row, I I kind of agree with you on that. I think that's that's that that would be the the back three I would choose, and it's the back three I hope you don't choose. Actually, obviously. Um, yeah. what your have you got any experience with either Howley or Matt Sherrett or any of these coaches personally that, you know, might give you a better uh, steer as to how who they how they might play? Yeah, obviously we worked with Rob and Gats and then Sean Edwards uh,
3: for a while and same as uh, Shanks really uh, for a bit and uh, yeah, you know, Wales you know, they haven't evolved in the game for a while but it's, it's always seemed to have worked from the Grand Sands but now uh, you've seen Eddie Jones come in with England and, and let them do it and let them, you know invent their own game sort of style and not you know it's not trying to copy someone else and uh, i think green England players are really relishing and uh eddie jones so i think i've seen machine glimpses of it with wales's tour to new zealand um a little bit of back play a bit more i think there was one try in wellington with halamem Mossman, you know halam and jones pulling the ball down we haven't seen wales do that for no. a long time and uh well nothing
1: shanks done it in a good field but no god yeah yeah
3: no henson sorry that's right that's the one
1: you made yeah
3: no, <laughs> we haven't seen Wales do that for a long time, and uh, but I mean, you know, as soon as we catch up, then you know, everyone's always three years ahead of us. So we've got to be, 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 be ourselves and try some try something new ourselves, you know, and uh, stop trying to, I suppose, copy the, the the All Blacks. I suppose so, but, you know, the best yeah.
2: teams in the world. Tony we talked about uh, obviously Howley and Matt Sherrett and what they might bring to it, but obviously Sean Edwards is still defensive coach and does a great job. Um, Explain to us the effect he had on you, because I used to look across in the change room and you'd be there pretending to read a book uh, before a game. And I'd be like, "Bernie, what are you I doing?" Mean, just, he's like, "Oh, Sean told
3: me to do it." <laughs> yeah, I'd be doing my dot dot book. Yeah, but uh,
2: no, it was the um, Hurricane. I remember it. You, re- you read the Hurricane for three seasons
3: <laughs> and never
1: finished it. <laughs> well. You know, it's not, I'm
2: not laughing, That I've been dyslexic, Tom. It takes you a while to read a book, but <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, one no. well, the favourite books. I did read a, a good one, Boys Will Be Boys, just
3: The Glory Is of Dallas Cowboys. was a
2: good read. Wasn't it to control um, your nerves or something like that to take your mind off the game? There was a reason behind it. No, no there was a reason behind it, because Sean said that I got to... Uh, I played the game before if it makes sense, I actually played the game before going on the field with my microphone. How many tries did you score? <laughs> you, score <laughs> you score a hat-trick in your head. <laughs> yeah, the
3: am mad at him every game. But, uh, <laughs> no, it was, it, was, it was sort of, he said something he'd done and you could see that I got a bit, you know, um, yeah. I suppose, a bit nervous uh, coming from, I suppose it was for, probably from my background really, coming into rugby quite late and then uh, into the international rugby scene on a you know, just burst onto international like we seen from amateur really. Um, you know, I didn't really know what know what to expect and um, you know, to, uh, sorry, Sean you know, he, he was great for me. Uh, you know, he really... It really, did work for me, actually. Uh, yeah. You know, even though I was pretending to read it. But uh, it was uh, you know, it was something he'd done as a player to calm himself down, because we know what you know, type of character he is. He's on edge, but... Um, Mental. Yeah, you know, it, it, it was something different. And I suppose, you know, you had Henson doing
2: those fake time in the one corner, and he'd read the fuck in the other corner. <laughs> it, was, and, uh, yeah. it was brilliant. I I,
3: because... did, I, know, I,
2: I knew to impress us in the other corner. It was, it was, it was brilliant. <laughs> 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 I'll be, sat, I'll be get, sat next to Bernie. Getting get the guns, get
1: guns pumped right up for the car.
2: I've been, Telling, yeah. you used to wear, you used to wear little bits of duct ta- uh, duct tape on your arms, didn't you? Just so your guns would, uh, your shirt would sit that, that, just, that, just at the bottom that, of the bicep, back, or top of it. That was back in the days.
1: When I was back
3: in the day, it looked like a young jersey when it's
1: down to your knees. Well, a flat jersey, actually, down to the knees. Yeah, perfect, mate. Bar, perfect
3: jerseys. Cover it look, all up. Um, yeah, but but I, mean, I had to, I mean, to, yeah, to
2: tighten the guns up. I used to sit there look across at you and you'd just be sitting around in the change rooms doing nothing. I mean, Sean come in, you'd quickly look for your book and try and pretend to read it. <laughs> <laughs> I, used to, I used to love it. you <laughs> no. used, used to try and hide your book. I thought it was in
1: school, you know. I was, you know, was running up against the All Blacks. I thought it was in a school, in a school room, in a school class. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> sit up straight. I heard, I heard you I used to know. wear those little glasses on the end of your nose. Right. <laughs> just... One, one
2: oh,
3: more we serious... serious. We had a blackboard, blackboard, and then everything.
2: Uh, serious question now. Um, what? How many games do Wales have to win for this to be a successful campaign for them, mate? <sighs> A serious question. A serious question. I eh? even though
3: Gatlin's not there, he, he has been there for you know the last ten years, so yeah. nothing's going to change. Yeah. And just because he's been gone for the last couple of months, you know, you can't. You know, he still has a presence here. And he, they brought in a new coach. He's not going to, you know, work miracles. But we missed the Tommy. Japan, you know, you know how much they're developing. Um, Argentina played some great stuff in the World Cup. Uh, well, they've got to win. Basically
2: against South Africa or Australia, one of the big guns, and it's got to be Argentina and Japan. Yeah, so I agree. I think they have got, the, got to win three out of the four.
3: Um, but you know, going on to the, the smaller nations, everybody's you know it's getting closer now. Even you look at Georgia. Um, you know, I think there should be a playoff round going into the Six Nations where bottom teams get as a playoff against Georgia because they're knocking on the door to come into that Six Nations. I think they deserve a crack as well.
1: So it's great for rugby that uh, you know these teams are coming through. All right, top man. Uh, Bernie, I've got one more for you. You might have already mentioned it with your um, Dallas Cowboys book, but have you got one favourite book of all time that you would recommend to our listeners? Yeah,
3: yeah, I'd go back to it honestly, Flats. But boys will be boys. The glory is Dallas Cowboys. Uh, it's got everything in it. I you know, obviously, it's a family show, uh,
2: but. Just have a pick-up, have a read of it, if you're into that sort of stuff, but it's a oh, great book. What are you trying to say? It's got a bit of blue in it, does it? <laughs> it's got it's got everything in it, mate. And uh, I think Sean recommended me Sean Edwards recommended me to read it. But, uh, so I don't know what he got
3: up to in his years, but was uh, yeah, a great book, mate. It's yeah, it's I think, think we, I think we can, can
1: have a good book. guess at that, mate. Hey, Bernie, thanks for coming on, mate. And we really appreciate it. No
3: worries, mate. Top man, boys. Cheers, bats,
1: Cheers, always, bye. bye. So that was Lee Byrne on the phone. Great
0: bloke
1: Yeah, good value, isn't he? Still loves the weights, loves the gym. But you can tell as soon as you meet him that looking good is important to this guy, at least waist up. It's 40 degrees in Bridgend as well. Yeah, Yeah. he's good value. I'm glad he came across as good value on that as well because you can can often, as soon as a mic gets put, not that a mic was in his face, it's on his phone, but as soon as you get someone on air, they can clam up, and I really like the fact he didn't. Please, please don't listen to him about the Q&As. The hierarchy is me first and... I give him the dregs. Well, Alfie first. then <laughs>
2: you.
1: Yeah. Um, Alfie's got more boxes ticked than you. Um, yeah, so he's, he is good on the mic. I'm, I'm glad it came across. That was really nice. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And a nice a nice way to round off the pod, Tommy. It is. It is. That's pod number nine done. Yeah. I um, hope you've enjoyed it. Make sure you keep sending us questions through. We're on again
2: next week. Um, if you want to contact us, get on Twitter, at Flats and Shanks. Go on yeah. our website, which is flatsandshanks.com. Um, yeah. You can email us. And we get a few emails through contact
1: at Flats and Shanks. There's also Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. Yeah, yeah we're going to do a Facebook Live. So are we? Yeah. That's with cameras, isn't it? Yes. So I have to wear clothes. I can't do that nude. Like no. the... Oh, God, that's Not a change. It's so hot when I'm doing podcasts. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed the chat with Bernie. I really enjoyed your company again, Tommy. Hopefully, you guys at home or in your cars or wherever you are enjoyed it too. See you next week. Ta da. Goodbye. <laughs>